Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for September 29th, 2019. I'm your host, David McLaughlin, and joining me as always, welcome Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. All right, Catherine's on assignment in Eastern Europe. We all would have begged for it, but she's the one that uh, paid the, the fees, so she got to go on the great assignment. She'll be back probably in about two weeks, we're thinking. Um, sorry for last week in which we had to cancel, but we're here this week, and we got a different kind of show. No guest, and essentially one gigantic topic um, that has so many layers, and obviously if you follow politics, you know what that is. That is the Ukraine situation involving uh, the Trump administration first and foremost, I guess you could say, it involves Hunter and Joe Biden to an extent, but that's only because I think they were used as Donald Trump's foil in this whole thing. And um, essentially, impeachment round two. Um, you know, will Donald Trump be impeached? Uh, Tim, kind of set the stage here with you know what's going on. How did this all come about? Well, this this story. <laughs> Really blew up, didn't it? And it's escalating and quickly. For those of you who have been, I don't know, either off the planet or in a coma or under a rock or something, it it concerns the call that uh, Donald Trump made back on July the 25th to uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine. And in the course of that call, he did ask the Ukrainian president to investigate, you know, Joe and Hunter Biden. Uh, Because apparently Hunter Biden had been on the board of directors of some company over there back when uh, Obama was president and and his father was vice president and there had been a big rip about uh, uh, some bad stuff going on in Ukraine at the time, but but it didn't involve the Bidens at all. I mean, it was checked out and and they like, you know, did nothing. Um, uh, Right after that, after this call, though, a person inside the White House described as a whistleblower complained in writing to the IG of National Intelligence. Now, after the Inspector General confirmed that the complaint was uh, authentic, the, the director, the acting director of National Intelligence, took it and showed it to both the White House and the Department of Justice. Well, he wasn't even supposed to do that. He was supposed to, uh, once it was authenticated and perceived to be a credible 
you know, and, and a threat. He, he was supposed to release it to Congress within seven days. Well, he waited a month before they were even notified. And apparently, according to this complainant, this whistleblower, Trump had withheld about $400 million in military aid with the promise from Kiev uh, to investigate Biden and his son being the only way that they would receive the aid. So, in other words, he held something back that they needed, and the only way they could get it was they had to promise over the telephone to Trump himself that they would uh, help him uh, kneecap his political opponent. Now, as soon as this went public, Speaker Pelosi <laughs> immediately announced the beginnings of uh, impeachment inquiries uh, to be conducted by, I believe, six separate House committees. Uh, we've already seen one high-profile um, hearing conducted by the Intelligence Committee, uh, Adam Schiff's committee, with the Acting Director of National Intelligence, uh, and, and just more layers keep coming out into this with Trump's people apparently hiding the phone logs. Uh, we saw a synopsis of the call. We did not see the actual word-for-word call. It's hidden off in very secret hiding places. Uh, so, so you know, and we saw a redacted, you know, version of the whistleblower's complaint. And then we'll get into Rudy Giuliani and Barr, but uh, that's the mess we find ourselves in, that the president may be, well, he may be hit with... Uh, Abuse of power, obstruction of justice, and several other things. We'll just have to see how bad this gets. Okay, I've listed out a bunch of questions, and I don't even know if we can get to them all, but let me start with the most obvious one to me. Here is someone that during the 2016 election that had him or his campaign, you know, really skirt around the legal election law with a foreign government, that being Russia. Um, the Mueller report investigated, and once it all came out, I think it would be a fair statement to say about 50% plus of the American public probably thought Donald Trump did a little, at least a little something wrong um, involving a foreign government, and he got away with it. Now, there's varying degrees, you know. You and I being, you know, stronger Democrats probably think he got away with a whole lot more than other folks did. But I think it's fair to say even people that might have voted for him, maybe even some that have voted for him again, still thinks he probably got away with something to win the presidency in 2016. Maybe they even say they need it. But now he goes and does it again and probably does it worse. Because before, he was just a citizen. Now he's the president of the United States. Before, he could do no quid pro quo 
with military aid. This time he can. So to me, this time seems so much worse than last time because of those two factors. So, Tim, what in the world was he thinking? Well, in his mind, he was making a deal. I think he thought, you know, this this is the way I operate, and, and I can do it. And his supporters, are, uh, as far as the Mueller report, said, oh, he's been exonerating, and he's been out there screaming, oh, I've been exonerating, I haven't done anything wrong, it's all somebody else's fault. And uh, he probably never gave it a thought when he made this call. Obviously, some of his people did since they did what they did with the phone logs. But I, I believe Donald Trump right now thinks he can do anything he wants uh, with impunity. I believe he believes that because he's president, he truly is above the law. I think he really believes that, and he believes that anyone who complains about it is just a political opponent. Oh, they're jealous, and they can't beat me, and they couldn't beat me, and now they're trying to steal, you know, that sort of thing. So he he never gave it a thought when he made that call because he thinks he can do anything he wants to do. Well, that kind of goes into another question. Did he think, I guess, A, he would get found out? Did he think if he got found out, he could get away with it? And what you're saying is he just assumed that the American people wouldn't care. Now, we kind of know, and we have to talk about what does the GOP do with this, because that's half of the deal. And then later, it's what does the American public do with this? So he, he... you agree you think he thought, hey, I can get away with this, no problem? Well, sure, of course he did. The, the thought that he wouldn't be able to do this was the furthest thing from his mind. He's got it in his head now. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do what I do, and if you don't like it, well, you know, Try to do something about it. Try to stop me. You've been trying to stop me, and you haven't stopped me. In his mind, Donald Trump was elected to just tear the place down as we knew it, just wreck it, and then start it over in the way that he knows how to do things. And that's what he's doing. If it's if it's uh, skirting the law, or if it's outright breaking the law, well, in his mind, no, it's not. He's president. He can do anything, and he really believes he can do anything. I believe he is absolutely shocked when this hit him. Just just shell shocked. Well, well, let me ask you this. There's a difference in getting away with it, and there's a difference in not understanding our governmental system. Do you think if you were to lay out what our democracy looks like as far as the executive branch with checks and balances, and you were to lay out what a dictatorship looks like or a monarchy or some type of single entity government, do you really think that he could identify that that's not the system? Uh, no, I, I, I really don't. He, his, his idea of what the presidency should be uh, is, is more like the strongman type thing. 
he thinks Congress, he, he thinks he's just belittled Congress and the media and all that to the point where they're uh, a non, uh, really a non-factor. Uh, he thinks he's shielded from any problems at the Capitol because the Republicans control one house of the Congress, and so far he's been proven pretty much correct, even though he's been stained a little bit by by some stuff that's gone gone on. I, I think he feels like he can he can live with that, and and he really does feel that. You know, he 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 said about proving. You know, this is the imperial presidency, and it's me, and I'm the guy, and I'm gonna run the country, and my supporters are gonna back me on that. And anyone who tries to stop me is, you know, just gonna be pushed out of the way. And that's that. That that's what he truly believes because that's the way his whole entire life has been conducted. In this man's mind, he is on a lifelong winning streak. Uh, Even when something has failed, it succeeded. I mean, all those bankruptcies, not paying his bills, paying off porn stars, one scandal after another, and there he still is. And in his mind, that says to him, hey, I was right about everything. This is the way people want me to be, and this is the way I'm going to be, because this is the way I know how to be, and this is the way I conduct business. And that's what he's doing. He is being Donald Trump. Is anybody surprised that he's, you know, doing, doing these things? We elected a person who had no concept of how government actually works, and so he decided it was going to work the way he wanted it to work, and if it took ignoring the laws, the Constitution, I mean, it was, you know, so what? He's still sitting there saying, you know what, stop me. And so far, nobody has. Surprising, maybe not galling, most definitely, uh, how he's conducted himself. Let's kind of talk about a new angle on this. And this was about a day or two in. And this may have shown that he was understanding that he needed some shielding, that maybe he had finally overstepped something. And so he kind of pulled Mike Pence in, and I think – Political Wire picked up on it, and somebody else may have said it first. He kind of used Mike Pence as a human shield. The way he kind of said, hey, you know, Mike Pence was involved in all this, kind of like, wink, wink, if you take me down, you've got to take Mike Pence down, and then you've got to – then Nancy Pelosi would become president if it all worked fast enough before the 2020 election. And so that was just helping shield with Republicans. Um, Do you think Donald Trump just kind of accidentally implicated Pence, or was it purposeful? And then how much do you really think Mike Pence was involved? Because Mike Pence is probably not the sharpest governmental mind, but I do think he understands 
democracy and treason better than Donald Trump. Yeah, I think he's always been, you know, I, I, even though I, you know, I <laughs> totally oppose Mike Pence on, I don't know, practically every major issue. Um, and, and, and it just sickens me that, you know, he, he cowers down to Trump. But, you know, he's playing the part of the loyal vice president. Uh, Because that's what he believes in doing, and that's what he believes that vice presidents uh, should do um, unofficially, you know, because he he only has one official duty. Uh, Now, as for Trump accidentally doing this, no, he didn't accidentally do it, but he didn't think of it, I think, in terms of, hey, I better start, you know, Doing something here, pulling somebody. And no, Trump has always Trump being Trump again. It, it, it's being who he is, the way he operates. He always has done this work where he comes first, right below him, his family also. And in his mind, he first and then his family are indispensable. Everyone else is expendable. Look at all the loyal people, all the people who have come to work for him that have gone to jail, gotten in trouble, that he fired when he was through with them, that had to resign. Uh, He can't fire the vice president, of course. Um, So, uh, you know, Pence is there. He's available. Let's, uh, you know, let's let's see what we can do with him too. And and Trump will do some something like that to people, and never give it a thought because again, in his mind, it is the right thing that he, uh, for him to do. He's done this his whole life uh, because that's what he believes you should do. Not only in business, not only in the private world. Uh, but also in the public world uh, uh, of politics. He's first and his family, and that's that. And if anyone else has to fall by the wayside, well, that's okay. We, who needs Jeff Sessions? Who needs Comey? Who, who, who needs uh, a personal attorney when you can get another one? Uh, you know, who, who needs all these cabinet officials when you can – Get rid of them and get some more. Um, that that's just the way it is in Donald Trump's world. Yeah, very sad to think about. And I tell you what, um, somebody that actually I guess saw a lot of this coming was Second Lady uh, Karen Pence. Uh, Morris mm-hmm. coming out that you know she really wanted him to drop off the ticket when the um, Access Hollywood tape came out. And the night that Donald Trump won, she looked at him and said, you got what you wanted and walked off. And was actually, mm-hmm. sounds like was not happy um, that he won. I, I, I'm sure she went in the ballot box by herself. I would be very intrigued to see how, what time she punched. Because she apparently just abhors everything about Donald Trump on a personal level. So I will say this, once again, I probably don't agree with Karen Pence on a lot of issues, but I think she sounds like, in this case, She's a pretty good judge of personal care, um, being Donald Trump uh, and who he is. Uh-huh. 
Well, Tim, the, something the thing, I mentioned. The, Go ahead. I was just going to say the thing is, though, Mike Pence is there for one reason. He wants to be president. He he was the governor of Indiana with an approval rating in the 30s. Had he stayed and had to run for re-election, he might have gotten beaten. He was, uh, you know, running behind in the polls there. And uh, well, this was a lifeline to him, and he made his peace with it, and his deal with the devil long ago. And, uh, you, you know, he's an evangelical Christian in his mind. Uh he he might have said, you know, well, God did all of this, uh, made a way for me so that I can someday be president and this and that and the other, and he even uses Donald Trump. You know, people will convince themselves of of anything, David. Apparently, though, Karen Pence wasn't uh, so convinced, but I believe that Mike Pence is the loyal trooper and he wants to be president, and he sees this as his way to do it. Yeah. Also, if you read the I Bible, wish him you well. <laughs> yeah, you realize there's been wicked kings put in place of power all throughout the Bible as well. Um, yeah. So therefore, you know, you can you can use that one two way two ways as well. Well, you know, I mentioned the word galling earlier, and one thing I found galling about this whole thing was. Pretty much the day this thing fully broke in place was the same day that at the UN, a young lady came over from Sweden. Actually, I believe she's traveling the world and spoke to the UN. Um, she never said uh, Donald Trump's name specifically, but Donald Trump is a world leader, and she definitely talked about world leaders that ignore climate change, and he would fit that bill. He took that as such a slight. He attacked this 16-year-old young lady with autism, um, and Tim, I think that may have even outraged you more than it did me. Kind of give your thoughts on that. Yeah, if it wasn't bad enough, they had to go and start attacking a 16-year-old girl. Uh, Greta Thunberg wanted to do something, anything about the one issue that's close to her heart. That, of course, is climate change. Well, she certainly did something. Uh, she started alone, sitting out in front of the Swedish Parliament building, a solitary figure in protest. But over the past year, a case could now be made that she has done more than anyone alive on this planet to bring the subject of climate change to the forefront of public consciousness. With her notoriety, unfortunately, on a politically charged subject, here came the detractors. Some of them are nasty. Our, our own president that you just mentioned said something cute the other day. After he walked out of her speech at the United Nations, I think he sat there for 14 minutes, and then he got up and left uh, with the excuse that he had to go to a meeting or something. Uh, now, what he said wasn't as bad as some of his normal cutdowns, but it, it, it was more mocking. Let, let me quote it. Um, 
seems like a very happy young girl looking forward to a bright and wonderful future, end quote. Which, of course, if you watched her speech, was the very opposite of the tone of 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 the, well, now famous, how dare you speech. Um, this wisecrack, I think, was taken by Trump supporters and global warming deniers as a subtle sign that open season on her uh, could progress. And here they have come on social media, radio, television, etc. They have ridiculed her looks. They have uh, said something about her choice of clothing, about the way she acts. One guest on Fox News even described her as mentally ill, an obvious reference to the fact that she has Asperger's. More on that in a moment. She has been attacked as some sort of manipulated child by, quote, sinister forces that, that are using her. One Australian newspaper, a Sweet Bunch, said that she is, quote, the deeply disturbed messiah of the global warming movement. Andrew Bolt uh, the British muckraker uh, went one better. Now, he wrote, and I quote, I have never seen a girl so young and with so many mental disorders treated by so many adults as a guru. And some of the things said about her on Facebook and Twitter, I, I, I can't even repeat. A lot of those. Now, now, now here's here's some facts. I, I want you people to understand. First of all, Asperger's syndrome is a part of the autism spectrum, the highest functioning one. Those who have it are are, are usually normal in, in in just about every way, except that they sometimes have difficulty with effectively socializing and communicating. Generally, with a little bit of therapy, um, those difficulties are easily overcome. It is not a mental illness. That is nonsense spread by fools and some very mean people. I, I, I know this to be so because Asperger's is in my own family so stop with the lies about mental disorders, you idiots. My guess is that young lady is probably a lot more intelligent than a lot of her detractors will ever be. Also, she is not part of any political group or organization. She has done most of what she has done on her own. She is not compensated in any way, controlled by anyone in any way, told what to say by anyone. Her parents financially are supporting her travels. They have their own money. Uh, as a matter of fact, her mother is Milana Inman, a famous opera singer. 
also, please stop with this crazy conspiracy nonsense. Instead, how about you scholars? I'll tell you what you do. How about all of you calling calling upon a biblical passage? (laughs) You know, the book that you uh, profess to love, uh, but that you never actually read. You'll, You'll find what I'm talking about in the 11th chapter of Isaiah, where it says, The wolf shall also dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a child shall lead them. The young are stepping forward to lead, whether on the gun violence issue in this country or climate change in Sweden. These young people should be celebrated. They should be given assistance. If you can't do those things, just shut up. Uh, You know, I'll be so happy when the age of Trump is over, when this era is done. It's much easier to be outraged at policy decisions than than to have to stay in a constant state of outrage because of the way – this man, and and by connection, a lot of his supporters and people that agree with him act. There's no reason to trash this young lady. She is a credit to what passes for leadership in this country. I'll tell you that right now. Yes, sir, I'm outraged, David, and, and that's a pretty good outrage for this week. Yes, and there's a lot of things going on there. One, you know, we're expecting a lot of people that fear science to understand educational and social and psychological diagnoses that all involve science. So, therefore, it's kind of out of their range, if you will. And, and, you know, there's another thing that I've liked to say a lot of times, especially if I've had Republican guests on the show, um, sometimes on issues – there's not good guys, there's not bad guys, there's just you and me, we disagree. But when you start attacking teenage girls for their looks and their supposed mental faculties, there becomes bad guys. You know, when you do mm-hmm. that, you, be, you become bad. You know, you, you, you've gone beyond well, the bounds of decency, beyond the bounds of civil political discourse. Yeah, you know, just think. Uh, Trump has had his hind end kicked this week by a 16-year-old and by a 79-year-old female. Um, He's having having a rough way, but there wasn't a better use in him saying what he said. Why does he have to say things like that? Why does he have to do that? Yeah, that, that's what's so amazing is think about all the horrible things that were said about the Obamas, the thing about mm-hmm. his citizenship, the the questions that were called, and I won't even repeat some of them, about he and his wife, and he didn't respond. Nope. And they were Never so much more vile and disrespectful. And you know what? You can go back to George W. Bush. You can go back to a lot of Republican presidents. It's not just mm-hmm. Democrats. They knew to stay above the fray. They knew if they got mm-hmm. off of the high road and got down into the muck, 
they'd be there with it. But that's where Donald Trump lives. He, they, he, he loves that muckraking sewer yeah. journalism, and so he thrives on that. And he'll pull what anybody of decency, including this what, girl down what, there. What did those men do that you mentioned? They acted presidential. Bush yep. 43, after the horror of 9-11, here, here came the, this bunch saying, you know what, 9-11, uh, the Bushes were in on it with the Saudis and the Bin Ladens and them wooden jets that, that, that hit the towers. Uh, the, they, they set up all these uh, bombs and things to bring them down and missiles hit the Pentagon. And I, you know what? Bush never said a word about any of that because he knew he had to be president and acted. This guy, he hacks like himself. My goodness. Okay. There's three groups to me well, there's a lot of groups to this, but let's kind of chunk these three in together, and we'll cover them one at a time. But I really don't know the best order because I don't know if the tail wags the dog or the um, other way around. Uh, but let's start with GOP officials. We're talking about Mitch McConnell. We're talking about other elected leaders. They see this. They know better. They know you don't you know, tell foreign governments to research and really make up um, lies about a, uh, somebody from the other political party out of whole cloth, but they're all afraid of him. What do mm-hmm. GOP officials do, by and large? Well, some some have jumped up on television real quick. I think it was just throw something at the wall time, and said, you know, maybe we should uh, look into this stuff with Biden and. And, and see if there was anything to it. I think the president was right, and la di da di da da and no pre quid pro quo, and you, you know that sort of thing. Now, curiously, both Vice President Pence and Mitch McConnell have been rather quiet, or quieter than they would. Uh, normally be. Now, many of Trump's supporters have tried to be dismissive, calling it, uh, what, what is it, uh, information warfare operation, whatever that's supposed to mean, or saying, and I'm sure you've seen this one, well, here we go again, you know, like it's just another attempt by the Democrats to bring the president down. Uh, by any means necessary, because they can't uh, beat him at the ballot box, and there's no more to this than there's been to these other things. So they're they're trying things out like that. But if it gets worse, first of all, I look for them for a while to get more combative. But then, if the evidence keeps piling up. Uh, they're going to have a hard time maintaining what they're what they're saying, don't you think? Yeah, it's they, they can't be, just totally dismiss this. They can't do that. Well, and and of course it gets into another group later. Um, but the polls are saying that more people are supportive of this impeachment inquiry than were the mm. Mueller report impeachment inquiry. 
Uh, well, the, the polls are kind of showing a little more support at this point. I saw a majority mm-hmm. of it in, in the um, uh, Democracy Corps, which is run by James Carville. There's a poll there, and there's been some more coming out. And so those polls may change things, but let's kind of continue on some groups. You mentioned Fox and how they handled uh, Greg, Greta Thunberg, and that was – I know there's a whole network, and they can have this one or that one on there. And they have Shep Smiths that are – you know, logical and sane, and of course they have Judge Jenny Pirro, and they run the gamut between. Um, how does, in particular Fox, but then other conservative media, handle this Ukraine situation? They are going to have to walk a real tightrope here, David. Uh, they can't be seen as you know, total cheerleaders for Trump in, in case this thing uh, goes further south. Um, on the other hand, they cannot afford, at least right now, to anger Trump supporters, millions of whom watch them and in the print media read, read you know, what they have to say. So they're going to have to stagger along this little tightrope, and I think they'll be able to do it for a time because, as you mentioned, they have the Trumpsters on board, and then they have you know others like Wallace, for instance, who are more mainstream and are saying things the other way. Now, there is some talk that in-house, between some of the show hosts, uh, you know, Hannity and Wallace, for instance, that there is some friction going on there as, as they are basically arguing with each other across the hours of their shows. <laughs> and uh, I, the people who own Fox, of course, uh, first and foremost, they you know some money making operation is is an empire to them, and that's the first thing they're going to think about. But for now, I believe they're going to have to walk the tightrope that I described. Don't you think so? Yeah, because their base, and you're talking about these folks like Hannity and Laura Ingram. You know, they're on mm-hmm. every night, and I really don't mm-hmm. know if the hardcore Fox viewer even really cares about Chris Wallace, even though he, when you talk about hard journalism, because he does their Sunday program on their network, he's like their A guy when it comes to true hard journalism, but he's really not on the Fox network. He's over there with the mm-hmm. Simpsons and NFL football and 911. You know, he doesn't come on the same station. The folks that are on, you know, the the K, the basic cable package, whatever channel, 40s, 105, I don't know what they are on different systems. And the pool that never turn off, that you know, that buy the adult diapers and the bullying, you know, the gold bullion and the mile of that, they're not seeing Chris Wallace on Sunday because they're probably seeing the rerun of Judge Janine Pirro. So therefore, mm-hmm. it's like two different groups. You know, when Fox gets to but, host a debate, sure, they don't truck out Hannity. They throw out uh, Chris Wallace. It's like a whole different person, a whole different network. Mm-hmm. But but the yeah. folks who own it can still use that. 
and say, look at us being fair and balanced to try to keep both groups that we have described, the hardcore supporters and the more mainstream folks, off their backs for a time. And I think it'll work for a time unless uh, unless this gets a whole lot worse than as it is apparently heading in that direction. So it'll work for a while, but I don't look forward to work long term. And it's important because there are uh, there's a segment, and it's a huge segment of the GOP electorate that that's where they get their cues, their information, their marching orders, whatever you want to call it. Um, now let's talk about those voters. How do GOP voters view this, and where does it go? I mean, tell well, what's the early indications? Does it? Well, how may, many? It won't be all of them, but how many begin to say, "Okay, this is two times in a row." What in the world? You made you you made some allusions to some polling, and a week ago, only four percent of self-described Republican voters supported uh, these impeachment inquiries. Now 10% of them do, now that they've had a week to absorb what's going on. I think uh, what's happening there is that the establishment crowd is moving over toward uh, supporting the impeachment inquiries because, I mean, you know, they got eyes. They can read. They can see what's been going on. They can see the good grief this guy's really doing this. And then you got uh, Trump's hardcore crowd that I think represents a good um, 40% of of uh, GOP voters. And they're going to stay right with him, and I think they'll stay right with him to the end. Nixon had people that stayed with him right to the end. Uh, and, and then there's another old... 40 to 50 percent that are just in kind of limbo about this, and they ain't saying much right now. For now, they're Republican loyalists. For now, they are committed to reelecting Trump, but uh, they could be swayed as this thing goes on. So I, I, I believe that's where GOP voters are right now. Well, and here's the thing. I understand there's a lot of voters out there. Hopefully there's a lot of voters out there that they may be Republicans on the issues. They may Mm -hmm. not agree in any way, shape, or form with Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or even Joe Biden on the issues. But they Mm -hmm. know what Donald Trump and the way he's conducted himself is dead wrong. It's just not presidential. And this is what I wish those people would do. They would absolutely demand that every state, all 50 states, have a primary, have a caucus. This is not money-saving time because we have a popular incumbent running in the primary. We have a strong man who has tried to fear out of everybody in that party in line. And you have Joe Walsh, and you have Mark Sanford, and you have William Weld. No, they're not the A-list of competitors, but one held a seat in Congress, one held a governorship in a seat in Congress, and the other held a governorship. They're mm-hmm. credible candidates. They're not gadflies. They're not, you know, the kooky guy or girl that or lady or woman that runs every time. 
They, the Republican but. voters should demand that they get a primary in a caucus so they could uh, display their vote of disagreement and displeasure in the way that Donald Trump conducts himself without then having to say, yes, I agree with Democratic politics. The because to there. me, that's how you're going to have a lot of these people to show that they – are displeased with how Trump's conducting himself. Tim? The reason that's not going to happen probably is that even if Republican voters were to go to screaming, we want a choice, we want this, we want that, right now Trump is still running a very high approval rating uh, in amongst Republican voters, even with this going on. And secondly, He's already put his people in at the Republican National Committee. They control it lock, stock, and barrel. He's put his own people in in all of these state committees. He controls them lock, stock, and barrel. And so they're going to make the rules, and and the rules are going to favor Trump, and that is just that. I mean the Republican National Committee has already announced publicly that they would be supporting Donald Trump even if he had any opposition. Could you just have imagined what all say, uh, you, you know, it, uh, four or five months ago, if the Democratic National Committee all of a sudden jumped up and said, well, we're supporting our former vice president, Joe Biden, and President Obama had jumped up and said, that's right, the Democratic National Committee is right, and all you other people just need to get out of the race. We need to unify behind this one candidate. You would not have heard the end of the screaming about that yet. And Trump, he's pretty well got away with it, at least for now. And yeah. Uh, about the only thing to change that, David, is if a high, real high-profile candidate said, "You know what? I'm going to run." Like say Romney, you know, it did it, it it stir a few ripples if he were to say, "You know what? I'm going to run against Trump," or if uh, Kasich said, "You know what? I'm running again," or if somebody in the U.S. Senate, one of one of the big senators, uh, said, Cruz, for instance, jumped up and said, "You know what? I'm going to run." They well, might change some hearts and minds. But but here's but let, let's let's rank these four offices and importance of federal politics. Uh, congressman and governor of South Carolina, governor mm-hmm. of Massachusetts, congressman mm-hmm. from Illinois, or the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Okay, which one do we see as a credible candidate? We see the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and I think he is a credible candidate. But my goodness, if these other three people have all held all these offices, then they're credible yeah. candidates for the GOP primary. Well, and they're all three thing, running against Trump. It's not just one. It's all for, three. For, for one thing, Mayor Buttigieg is, is a current office holder. The others are former office holders. I a lot of Republican voters are probably scratching their head trying to recall who William Weld is. He's been out of office for a while. Mark Sanford was scandal-stained. 
badly, wounded terribly, a riser in the in the GOP, and and all of a sudden he crashed and burned, and well, he made the mistake of opposing Donald Trump while he did it. So Trump made sure he was buried as well. So you know we have that. Well. He was, he got, had the scandal as governor, and he got reelected by those Republicans in the low country of South Carolina, which is actually more moderate than a up yeah, country but, South Carolina. So therefore, to me, they reclaimed him. You know, they put but, him back in office. But so, to a congressional seat that was hardcore Republican, and once yeah. he had the party's nomination, it was just a foregone conclusion that a lamppost could have been elected there. Uh, but he didn't last long because he had the temerity to uh, oppose Donald Trump, and, and that is the unforgivable sin. So, yeah. Well, um, let's let's move this thing on to the other side of the aisle. We got to him. We only got about 13 minutes. Um, let's talk about this primary race. Um, you know, we, I, I think we see this is moving towards, at a minimum, impeachment inquiry. It may move to impeachment. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about that. But let's just talk about how this affects, first, the primary race. And, of course, Joe Biden's a huge part of that, and he's the, the named entity along with his son, Hunter. Um, how do you think this affects the primary race? Well, most Democratic primary voters, I think, especially the more progressive among them, will probably expect all of the candidates to endorse what is happening right now in the House. The question is, how enthusiastic should they be? Now, some, like Elizabeth Warren, are extremely enthusiastic enthusiastic about this going on and has been screaming for it uh, for a very long time. Others uh, are a bit more measured in their approaches. Now the question becomes, will it affect how people view them before they walk into the polling places and pull the levers? Uh, So far... The only one of the candidates I think it is really affected, you know, on a personal level is the one who has been attacked, and 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 that is Biden. And then it becomes a separate question as to how it affects him. How do you think it affects it? I think it's really, really uh, an interesting deal. I think there's a lot of people that are on the more progressive side of the Democratic primary that don't like Joe Biden, but they really, really don't like Donald Trump. And with mm-hmm. Donald Trump attacking him, those people are more likely to say, the enemy of my enemy is now my friend. I'm going to then mm-hmm. – because he's being attacked, I'm more likely to want to defend Joe Biden. So Joe Biden may be – maybe he doesn't get their votes, but he's not going to get their venom near as much. But at the same time, there are some voters that are like, the reason I like Joe Biden is because Joe Biden is um, the most electable. And then, of course, if they think there's even the smallest hint of smoke here with his son, they may say, you know, maybe he's not quite as electable as I thought. 
and among some maybe more pragmatic voters, he gets hurt a little bit. Now, how much mm-hmm. does he get helped? How much does he get hurt? We need more polling. We need more time to figure this yeah. out. But to me, all this fits in the calculus. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, it, 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 it could get a little dicey there. Uh, I mean, it does give Biden the chance to say, and he's already said it, by the way, that Trump targeted him because Trump knows he will lose if Joe Biden is the nominee. Uh, so, but otherwise, you know, on, on, on the other hand, uh, how does all this appear to the average Democratic primary voters? Uh, could some of them say, you know what, oh, we, we, uh, let's just sweep all of this aside. Let's start with something new. This is vestiges of the past. They might in their minds even lump Trump and Biden together. We want to get rid of the incumbent. And we don't want to bring back a retread either. Some of them could look at it that way, Uh, especially the younger, more progressive voters who are trying to sort all of this out. Uh, Some of them may think, well, is there some sort of there, there? Why was Hunter Biden over there in Ukraine? Uh, Why did his father at the same time want to uh, jump on the bandwagon and demand that the the national prosecutor over there be fired, uh, even though a bunch of countries were saying the same thing. Um, so it, it, it could work both ways, but for now at least I do think Joe Biden has a very strong argument that he can say, see there, who is Donald Trump attacking? Who is Donald Trump trying to bring down? He is trying to bring down the one that he fears, the opponent that he fears. That is me, folks. There is nothing to any of this stuff. Donald Trump just wants to wound me so that I will not be the nominee because he knows I'm going to carry him out behind the woodshed, put a beating on him, and therefore I've got to go. Now, you know, I do think Biden has that good argument. The question is, what do the other candidates say about it? They can't say, well, you're right, Joe. You've got a good argument. They can't say that. But on the other hand, they can't be just totally dismissive of Biden either because Biden – is the one that has been viciously attacked by Trump. They have to at least uh, express some sympathy and empathy for him uh, because, you know, after it's his turn, it'll be their turn, and they know that. So the the we, we talk about walking the line. The, the, some of the other candidates have got to walk the line, too. Uh, but it goes back to that level of enthusiasm about what's going on in the House. Right now, David, right now, 70% of Democrats in this country are totally for uh, these inquiries. And that number is only going to go up. That's what's affecting these poll numbers. Let me tell you something. A week ago, 36% 
of voters said yes, impeachment inquiries. That number's gone up seven points to 43. A week ago, 49% of voters were saying absolutely not. That number's dropped to 43. That's because not only more Republicans, but more Democrats including the ones that are going to vote in, in those early primaries, are saying, that's right, let's go with it. Right now we've got a 43-43 split on impeachment inquiries or not, and it's just started. Now, historically, David, isn't it true that impeachment inquiries and impeachments themselves have not been that popular with the public, but all of a sudden we've got a 50-50 split here. Yeah, I, I what think what think? happened was I think a lot of Democrats said, <laughs> I want to get Trump, and they agreed with the, uh, you know, the uh, argument. I think we have a better shot at getting him at the ballot box, but I think he's just done too much, too brazenly, mm-hmm. and now people are saying mm-hmm. we just can't overlook it. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times when somebody commits well, a crime, they give them no love yep. contendere plead yeah. out, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. He committed another he committed another egregious act. They, and now mm-hmm. he did it as president. Well, they can't overlook it. But let's I, I, and I'll tell you, you you mentioned like what do other Democrats do. And I think this is where one, Biden becomes part of the political center of the universe with Trump because he's attacking him and he can say, look, where did Donald Trump start? He attacked Obama and he attacked him, he attacked him. Then he made up these lies mm-hmm. about Hillary Clinton. He kept on about these emails. Nice come from me. If he gets me, he gets me and you know pushes me aside, and then someone else wins the nomination because of this. He'll come after you too. It's kind of like you know the the, the priest during um, Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. First they came for, right. then they came for, and finally when it was yeah. just me, there was nobody to left to speak up for me. And so mm-hmm. there's part of that argument. But speaking of people that are going to speak up for Joe, we've talked and talked and talked about uh, Barack Obama's been on the sidelines. He, President Obama does not mm-hmm. want to enter the political fray. Now, I don't think this causes him to say, I wholeheartedly endorse Joe Biden in the primary over the other you know, 15 candidates that are left, how many of there are at this point. Mm-hmm. But – at some point, does either A, um, Barack Obama come out in public and support the character and integrity of Joe Biden, and or does he attack the misuse, the you know seemingly treasonous criminal misuse of the office of the, of the presidency by Donald Trump? Well, one thing he could do is come out and say, you know what? I was president during this time that all of that was going on over there in Ukraine. If anybody knows what was going on, it would be me. And let me set the record straight for you right now and tell you uh, how wrong Donald Trump and others are about it. And, And who could argue with that? Because he had just set the facts out there as they went down thereby exonerating his vice president in the process, plus uh, throwing some criticism at Donald Trump right now. Oh, definitely so, but I will say could argue with it. Of course, you know, Chris Cuomo on CNN and Rachel Maddow on MSNBC 
and Chris Matthews mm-hmm. on MSNBC and Don Lemon on CNN and Anderson Cooper. And um, we can keep naming different Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough and his right. wife, Minka Blinsky. Uh, you know, they're all, oh, we, we understand. But who would argue against it? Sean Hannity, Fox and Friends, Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd it just be the same old crappy division we've had. Well, guys, I, our, uh, Tim, been a great show, and next week we'll go at it on the first weekend in October. Night, everybody. Good night, guys. We are the heirs of that first revolution with a strong and united... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.